Hey, glad you can make it. Welcome to the Progressive HVAC Podcast, a podcast where we discuss some technical theory, as well as talk to some special guests from within the trade. We'll share some tales from the job site and how to be a progressive thinker within the trade. I'm your host, Jesse Stewart, and I'm glad you're listening. That being said, let's go ahead and jump right into it. So welcome. This is our first episode ever. And that being said, again, super happy that you're here. Super happy that you're listening. So I thought it to be fitting that the very first episode ever would entail what it takes to get started in the trade. And of course, we're going to cover several different things. And I can only speak to what is applicable to my particular state. But that being said, let's just go ahead and get into it. We'll see where this thing goes. So getting started. First of all, we're gonna start from the ground up. Are you tired of your job? Are you tired of doing the same thing day in and day out? Is your current job not mentally sustaining? Well, look no further than HVAC. Just kidding, but seriously. If you're looking at getting into a trade, or particularly the trade is HVAC service tech, or most likely when you get started, you'll be known as an apprentice. Let's go ahead and talk about what it takes to get you started. Depending on where you live, each state has its own regulations and guidelines. And well, for my state of West Virginia, to get started, you have to have at the very least a West Virginia apprentice card from the state's Division of Labor. These are pretty easy to get. Uh, you go to the Division of Labor in the state capital complex. You pay fifty dollars, and they give you a card. So, all right, you're in the door, right? Eh, not quite yet. Most employers, if not all, are also going to require you to have your refrigeration license, or what they may call your universal. This is formally known as the EPA 608 Universal Technician License. There are other forms of this license, but the universal covers everything that we work on as HVAC technicians. This is a closed book, untimed test with a hundred questions, breaking down each section of the EPA manual. You can get a free PDF of this book, by the way, by just doing a simple Google search. Just Google search EPA 608 manual, and I think it's like the second or third link down, and you click it, and then you've got the book right there. Free for you to study. Now, in order to take this test, of course, you got your free PDF, you've studied, you're ready to go. You gotta find a proctor. And on top of that, you need at least a 70% to pass the EPA exam. To become this universal technician, and by the way, this license does not expire. So you find a proctor, uh, you can typically, most trade schools have them, and some proctors even do it outsourced, so you can just find a proctor near me. I believe you can actually search them up on ESCO's website. If not, again, just go to your local trade school. Uh, the instructors there are typically pretty willing to help, and they'll, they'll set you up for a fee. You sit down, they watch you take the test, and they give you your results right then and there. So either you pass or you fail, you'll know as soon as you leave out of there. Now, you get your universal license, so we're ready to go to work, right? Yes again, but with the limitations. Now, when I say limitations, so you've got your apprentice license and you've got your EPA 608. Good job, by the way. So you cannot work by yourself yet, though. You just can't do it. It's a division of labor thing, and you can face a really big fine if you get caught. So that being said, as an apprentice, at least in the state of West Virginia, you must be accompanied by a senior level tech type one or two. This will be determined by if you go the commercial or residential route. West Virginia has three total HVAC licenses, one, two, and three. So type one is the commercial HVAC or what we call the HVAC journeyman. Type two is a residential technician. Type three is of course the apprentice. That being said though, there are some loopholes. There's nothing that says that an apprentice cannot clean a coil. They cannot change filters. 
simple PM tasks, right? You just can't do anything major by yourself. You can't do any serious repairs or anything like that. You have to have a journeyman with you. Now, if you go the residential route, nine chances out of 10, they'll probably stick you on the install crew. That's just been what I've seen. I can't speak on it personally. I've jumped straight into commercial fresh out trade school, um, which was a blessing. But uh, so yeah, typical residential guys, new guys, they start on the install crew. And the install guys teach them how to fabricate duct work. Uh, some teach them airflow basics, which is a really good practice to learn when you're on the install crew. But a lot of the other stuff is left for their service department. In fact, a majority of their startups or commissioning is done by their service department, not their install crew. Unless there's a lead installer, they may allow him to do the startup or commission. Now, we've covered the license part. Let's talk about something else. Let's talk about trade schools, right? Now, I, for one, am an advocate for trade schools. I went to a trade school. Uh, I owe a lot of my success to Kenneth Burns at Carver Career Center. If you ever in the state of West Virginia and you're looking to get started in the trade, as long as you don't retire, uh, he is a fantastic resource and a great way to get started. But let's go ahead and talk about the expectations. First, let me make this painstakingly clear. You get out of this trade what you put in. So if you put in the bare minimum, that's what you're going to get out. If you want to be a warm body that changes filters and passers and everything, yeah, you can probably get by with that. But at the end of the day, don't be crying about your money when you don't have the technical know-how to do things that require a pay increase. And that's a whole nother subject for a whole nother podcast, but that's just a little tidbit for you. So most trade school programs, when you run through them, they're typically a one-year program. Some do two, three, or four, depending on what kind of school you go to. But most programs will turn you out with an apprentice card, an EPA 608, and probably some NATE certifications, but each one's different. My trade school sent me out into the world of HVAC with an EPA 608, apprentice license, and four NATE certs. But the common debate you hear about is, is trade school worth it or not? And like I said before, I believe that it benefits you greatly. Not just the simple fact of knowing that you actually know a little bit about what you're talking about. I believe when employers look at people too and they say, hey, he took the time to invest in himself. He wants to do this, we should give him a shot. And that's just what I think. Now, of course, you're not gonna come out of trade school full-blown tech, and anyone who tells you that you do, the reality is that you don't. You will come out knowing the basic, and that's the reality of the situation. Some come out a little more advanced than others, but most come out knowing the basics, and there's nothing wrong with that because you took a year to learn and study your trade, and that shows dedication, and that shows commitment, and employers, at least I know when I'm hiring somebody, I love to see that. But let me make this clear too, that don't mean that you won't get a chance to work with an HVAC contractor because you didn't go to trade school. In fact, most employers offer some form of apprenticeship training or program, in-house training. Some will even send you to school while you work for them. It all depends on the company. Uh, the company I work for in particular, at the exact time they hired me, I had been in trade school for about six months and I OJT'd out. Now when I say that, let me make this clear. I OJT'd, but I still went to trade school every night. I never stopped going to school. I didn't just, okay, I got a job, I'm good, I don't need anything else now. Because I paid to be there and it was important to me to try and learn as much as I could. So fresh out of trade school, I get hired with my current company. At about the time they hired me, they started their own two-year apprenticeship program, which was awesome because that pretty much told me, hey, I just spent a year or six months and it'll be a year and another six months, but I spent all this time learning my trade. Now they're gonna pay me to learn more. That, that's freaking awesome. Especially if you're a 
nerd like me and I'm absolutely fascinated by learning. I love everything about it. I'm extremely passionate about it as well. So anyway, we started the program and I was one of the first apprentices they ever put into it. So I spent three years learning and working in my trade, which was the best possible outcome that I could have ever hoped for because it accelerated my growth very quickly. Now it wasn't all book work, I wasn't sitting there, no, I worked in the field and then I spent days in classrooms at a local community and technical college that my company had made an arrangement with. So all their apprentices, they put through that program to accelerate their growth and try to shorten this uh, skill gap that we have in the trade. And when you find yourself working in this trade, you'll realize that that skill gap is a real thing because you can. it's one of two ways. You've got the guy who's been doing it for like 30 plus years, or you've got the guy who just came out of trade school or the guy you got off the street who doesn't even know what superheating subcooling is, doesn't know what types of refrigerants there are, doesn't know anything about it. And there's nothing wrong with that, except for the fact that when these guys go to retire, who is going to take their place? Because you can't just all of a sudden crap out at service tech in just a few weeks, right? It doesn't matter how long you spend in trade. If you're not investing in yourself and you're not investing in your education and you're not trying and you're not putting in the extra hours, you will still grow, but grow at the normal rate. Now, when I first started this trade, I asked my mentor all the time because I, I felt like I wasn't growing fast enough. And he always assured me that I was growing faster than I thought. And I never believed him, but he was right. So the standard time frame he told me is it takes typically about five years, five years to turn out a full blown tech. So that's five years of somebody who served in the apprenticeship for two years and then worked in the field on their own for three. So that being said, I didn't want to wait five years. I would go to trade school every night after I was done. When I started the apprenticeship program, I talked with my mentor all the time. I asked him, I said, hey, quiz me on this. Let me see if I got this down. Let me see if I got this right. And my mentor absolutely appreciated and loved the fact that I was so hungry to excel in my trade and he took so much time one-on-one -on -one with me, teaching me different things and different aspects. And he was a fantastic influence to me. And I'm so grateful for him taking the time to teach me what I do know. Now, that being said, worked in the apprenticeship for my two years. And then after my two years, actually before my two years was up, I went and tested for my HVAC journeyman. And I went and I, I'd like to tell you I passed the first time, but I, that's not true. The first time I ended up failing, I think I got like a 69 or 70. No, it was, it was definitely 69 because 70, I think, is what you need to pass. So yeah, 70 is what you need to pass. Um, but so I got pretty close and I didn't get disheartened about it. I literally, I told the woman when she told me I failed, I said, hey, uh, can I go ahead and register to take again? I went and I took the test the very next day. Let's talk about your uh, journeyman license for a second though. So in West Virginia, and I'm probably sure a lot of other places too, the West Virginia journeyman exam is distributed by PROV, which is a testing facility. It's like a third party uh, testing facility. And it, I did mine in person, and I know when COVID hit, everything changed a little bit, and I'm pretty sure you can do almost everything online now. I know a lot of my apprentices that I send to go do it, they just do it from our office. I set them up in a room, and there's a proctor there watching them, and they take the test. But let's talk about that test for a little bit. So in order to take the West Virginia Journeyman, you have to have at least 2,000 hours of work experience as well as 6,000 hours of additional training. After this, you can go and try for your HVAC journeyman. In my state, you need at least a 70% on an 80 question test. The test is an open book test, but there's like eight books you can take with you. Uh, I didn't take all eight, 
the ones that I took with me were the uh, IMC 2012. That's your international mechanical code for those of you who aren't aware. Uh, refrigeration and air conditioning 20th edition. And I took the manual J and installation standards for HVAC and HVAC basics for contractors. So I took four or five books. And uh, like I said, I failed the first time, but I went back the very next day and I passed like 88%. So keep that in mind. Don't get discouraged if you end up failing a test or a license. Um, and I, I say this a lot. Uh, the licenses are important. They are. And you should want to have them and everything. But in my mind, the license is important, but what you are able to do and what you are able to achieve with just your knowledge base far outweighs that plastic card. If someone came to me and they had a uh, exponential, or we'll say if they knew a lot about HVAC, if they knew a lot about their trade, rather it be electrical, plumbing, whatever, they're like, well, I don't have my plumber's license or I don't have my HVAC license. My question for them would be, if I can verify their skill set, that is, let me make that clear. If I can verify their skill set, my question is, are you willing to go and get it? Like, if we give you the books, if we provide you with the material, are you willing to go and get it? And if the answer to that is yes, by God, I, I would absolutely hire that individual. And I'm pretty sure almost all other companies would too. Now, I can't speak on that, but that's just my assumption. Now, once you pass this test, you are officially an HVAC journeyman. You are legally allowed to work on any HVAC equipment in the state of West Virginia. So congratulations, you made it. Now, you're a certified technician, but that does not mean you're a master. And before you go out and let everyone know, hey, I'm an HVAC journeyman, I, I can work on just about anything, make sure that you know what you're talking about. Because again, it goes back into that card. That card don't mean anything. You can, again, you can come to me and I'll got my HVAC journeyman. Okay, what's your definition of superheat? What's your definition of subcool? Where do you take those measurements? Uh, how many BTUs are in one ton? How much CFM per ton? Uh, do you work on heat pumps? Have you worked on chillers? Have you worked on commercial air handlers, boilers, hydronic systems? Have you done these things? No? Okay, well, that card really don't mean a whole lot then, does it? Experience and the ability to understand how systems work. That's what matters. Uh, going back to my mentor, it, uh, he told me, he said, it's important to always make sure that your cup is never full or overflowing and at the time I didn't understand what he meant but what he was saying was if you ever get to a point in this trade where you stop learning then you have gotten too comfortable and you have stopped growing and you have to continue growing in this trade that's the reality of it no there is no such thing as a master of HVAC yes you have people that are very experienced very knowledgeable about this trade I'm not denying that at all but they cannot understand every single facet that goes into this trade. It's physically impossible. Because when you think about HVAC, a lot of us just think about, okay, well, you got the service techs. No, there, there's there's so much more than just that. You've got service techs, you have controls technicians, you have uh, retrofit and install crews, you have energy efficiency management crews, you have uh, sales managers, account managers, you have uh, logistics and 
shops and manufacturers all these different things play a role and it depends on which way you want to go in the trade will determine where you end up do you want to be a service tech your whole life well if you don't want to you don't have to you just have to put your mind to whatever you want so let's say you worked in service for 10 12 years you've got a pretty good knowledge base of what you're doing and you understand what you're doing say you want to learn controls okay make the commitment to that then uh start reading on controls start learning hell start trying to program but it goes back to that cup your cup started to become full the next thing to do is to grab a bigger cup always look for the bigger cup always look to grow always look for that discomfort because there's a true saying there is growth in discomfort if you are uncomfortable you are probably growing now that being said too another good saying and i follow this one still to this day place yourself in the room where you are the dumbest individual in there and if you stay there long enough eventually you won't be the dumbest individual in that room anymore but guess what it's time to find another room that goes into that discomfort causing growth now so the best thing you can do is always be learning because regardless of where you work any knowledge or education you learn you take that with you it doesn't matter what shirt you wear what company you work for that knowledge stays with you now on top of that let's uh let's think about this for a minute so in this trade when i start talking about the masters again there's no masters but what there are is specialists uh me personally my specialty in my opinion or i guess what you could say is what i'm passionate about first of all i'm passionate about education and learning i'm passionate about teaching people to have the right mindset but technical wise my passion is definitely hydronic boilers I love boilers and I love hydronics. Everything about them fascinates me. And it's what I've had the most time work. Um, fresh into my career, I was given a contract that had this huge hydronic heating system. And uh, man, all I did for like the first year was just work on that. And I was just so fascinated at how it worked. Got to really get into how temperature and pressure and flow all these different things play a role in the system and we're going to do a lot of courses on hydronics here in the future but again this is the first episode we're just trying to get this ball rolling just so it can be out there and just so you can hear it. and let me make something clear i don't claim to be an expert i never claim to be an expert on anything i'm just a guy out here talking to you and hoping that maybe i can help you with something or maybe motivate you to be as we said again the progressive thinker in this trade that being said again this is a very short episode it's the very first one but i'm I'm going to try to keep these to about 20 minutes or less that way i don't lose your attention i hope you learned something from this and i hope you take something with you uh if you did feel free to subscribe i would love to hear from you guys i would love to hear your comments or suggestions i'd also love it if you work in the trade or if you work in any kind of hvac trade whatsoever if you're related into it whether you're an account manager sales distribution manufacturer uh service controls I'd like to talk to you and I'd like to have you on here. If you're willing to come and talk, then shoot me an email. Again, the email will be in the uh, link listed below in our uh, bio. You'll typically have two types of people, the person that wants to learn and the person that thinks that they've already learned everything there is to know and they're a master of their trade. Let's say these two people work at the same company. One invests a lot of his spare time into researching whatever he's working on. He goes home, if he doesn't know something about it, he looks it up, he reads the manual, he goes through the process. The other guy just says, well, I'll figure it out as I go along. Years go by, they both continue the same practice, okay? Well, one day the company comes up on hard times and they have to let people go. Both 
these individuals end up being let go. Well, the one guy, on one hand, he can say, well, I've got however many years of experience and I worked at this company. The other guy can say the same thing, but then the other guy can back up and say, oh, by the way, uh, I went to this class, I invested into this particular certificate, I am very knowledgeable in this particular facet of the trade. He has information and education that he took with him and the company that he used to work for cannot take that back. So it adds value to yourself to invest in yourself and then you become more of an asset for whatever company you end up working for. Don't matter what shirt you wear, don't matter what company you work for, anything you learned at that company, that's something they can't take back. That's something that it's not like when you quit, oh, well, I need everything you learn to stay here. That's not the case. So I guess what I'm getting at with that is don't be the guy whose cup is too full. Don't be the guy who gets comfortable and always put yourself in uncomfortable situations that causes you to grow. The more you grow and the more uncomfortable you are, the better you'll be. Think of uh, weightlifters or bodybuilders, powerlifters, strongmen. Uh, they are constantly putting their muscles under strain. They're constantly uncomfortable. They're constantly sore, but it causes massive growth. The same thing applies in this trade and in life in general if you put yourself in an uncomfortable situation the only thing you will do is if you stay there long enough is grow become more comfortable in that situation when you get to that point it's time to move on and find something else find something that is difficult find something that is challenging don't sit around and just wait for yourself to eventually become this uh, goal you've set in your head push your way towards that goal. Now, again, keep in mind, this has been our first episode. It's been a little bit all over the place. I'm trying to keep these under about 30 minutes because I don't want to lose your attention. But for what it's worth, I hope you took something from this today. I hope you learned something. And I hope that whatever you've taken from this today, that it benefits you in the most positive way possible. That being said, if you went ahead, you got your card and everything else, let me be the first to say welcome to the trade. And I'm glad you're here and I'm glad you're listening. That being said, we'll see you on the next one.